All right. Well, after all that, should we do a podcast? Oh, I suppose. (laughs) I mean, we don't have to. I mean, there's lots to talk about this week. There is. That's the upside of this. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Dance, monkey, dance. Welcome to this week's episode of Dance Monkey Dance. I'm Chris. I'm John. How you doing, John? I'm contemplating whether or not I should become AI. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't sound like there's a whole lot of money in it. Well, I don't know. I mean, executives are going to find a way around it. So, yeah, in case you haven't heard, um, the actors are now on strike. SAG has gone on strike along with the writers um, for the first time since, what was it, 1960? Yes. When a young upstart named Ronald Reagan wanted more money and he was the president of SAG at the time. Um, It was over residuals, wasn't it? That was over residuals, yes. And this is kind of over the same thing, except there's more to it now. There's a lot more to it. Yeah. There's a lot more to it. So it's going to start affecting a lot of nerdy things in the world. Like, you're not going to see a lot of new TV in the fall? No. Uh, You're not going to see a bunch of actors in blockbuster movies showing up at Comic-Con? Or any convention. Like Any any, convention. Any convention that a SAG actor has been scheduled for you will soon see them pulling out of it because that is part of what they can't do anymore well i thought they couldn't do promotion no it they can't just it's more than that there's they're one of their things is specifically conventions oh because it makes it technically makes the studio money like if and especially if they're going to promote like comic-con specific films they don't they don't want to give anything to the studio right now so anything that right. would drive engagement to the studio the the union is saying no and so like ha- having done voiceover in the past i have i'm i'm on a bunch of facebook groups with voiceover artists that are in sag right. that are like yeah we can't even discuss it on here anymore so we'll be gone until the strikes over. Wow. Which I mean, opens up a whole bunch of stuff for non-union people. I mean, if it's, it does. And you know, there are all these hungry people who will do something for, you know, a hundred bucks for a a day race. Yep. And so, yeah, look, I'm sure that you in your creative career have had people, try to short you money or use the old you should do this for the exposure oh of course you know bullshit 
that, or, you know, oh, you're just editing video. Like anybody can do that. So I'm not going to pay you a whole lot of money. And it's like, motherfucker, it's not just editing video. There's a whole thing that goes into it. So I get why they're striking. Like, Oh, definitely. Like there's definitely like if, if it's been set up to where you get residuals for certain things and then streaming comes along and it's like, well, you know, we can't do that anymore because of how many times it gets streamed. It's like, well, then you're, you are shorting the person that worked hard to be in whatever it was. Right. Well, plus, I mean, residuals aren't all that great for regular actors. No, and it definitely, you know, it's goes down over time. Right. Like the first couple of years of residuals is where everybody makes their money. Right. And then it, it goes down to the point where it is like, actors have gone on in the past couple of days and put down like the time they got like negative checks Mm -hmm. and shit like that. And it's just like, okay. (laughs) And I know a lot of people will will bitch it like, Oh, these are millionaires that are picketing, but it's not really about them. Right. It's about the other actors that aren't household names that it's that it's all those actors that are those, Oh, I know that guy. Right. Those people, those are the people that this is affecting the most. Right. And when you hear things like the studios want to do this AI thing where they're going to pay somebody 200 bucks for their likeness and then be able to use it whenever they want, wherever they want. That's a little fucked up. That's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That's wrong. So, Hopefully it doesn't go on for forever. But when you have like the head of Disney saying that he's, he's not really on board with what they're wanting because I guess he feels they get paid too much. Yes. This is not, this is not going to end very soon. No. And I think a lot more dirty secrets are going to come out. Oh, I, 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 I'm sure. I mean, when you think that the the head of Warner Brothers Discovery is making over five hundred billion dollars in the last five years, that's <laughs> fucking wrong. Yeah, it's wrong for for any executive making millions of dollars while people are starving to death trying to keep food on the table. Yeah, and I'm not sure who it was that said it, but um, Ron Perlman got into a yeah. little bit oh, of I trouble. Saw that. Because there was yep. some executive that said, we're going to make this go until people lose their houses. Yep. And he was like, you better watch your back because that's, and he probably should have phrased it in a different way. I'm sure it was heat of the moment. Um, sure. Because people's, people's emotions are high, but that's, if you're, if that's the way you're going with writers and actors, then there's not going to be an entertainment field anymore. Like, there, it's oh, going to get to be very narrow. Yeah. It's going to get to the point where like, well, fuck this. Like, why am I killing myself? Like if they don't care. And I feel it more in the writers than the actors. Like writers don't make shit. And to, no. to push it down to a gig economy of like, Oh, we're just going to pay you for the day you're not going to get anybody that wants to do that anymore. Right. 
And so, yeah, I, I don't know how this is going to end other than this is probably the end of movie theaters and probably a lot of network television. The actress who played Rafi on Picard. Yeah. I was saying that like, <clears throat> she said actor, actresses like her can't make rent. And there's so many actors, like most of the people on Orange is the New Black yep. had to keep their day jobs yep. because they weren't making enough money. And you think of a series that had that many seasons not paying for what they're getting out of it. Yeah, it's, it's you know, the whole ridiculous. idea that it's that it's some great executive wizard who's making all this money. It's like, no, he's not. He's he's I mean, this is wage theft. This is the problem with America right now. Yep. People are not paid a living wage for the work they do. And you've got all these executives making billions of dollars mm -hmm. bitching about people, you know, nobody wants to work. No, asshole, we want a job like yours for $200 billion, Bob Iger, <laughs> so that I can read the newspaper on my private super yacht. Right. That's what I fucking want. <clears throat> right yeah it's it's they're gonna learn the hard way and like the whole Bob Iger thing so segueing a little bit into he he gave an interview this week where in his quest to kill five billion dollars of Disney spending he has hmm. basically talked about cutting back on TV shows for Marvel and Star Wars and well, he's blaming the, the failure on TV and not the movies. I mean, he's looking for a scapegoat. He's looking for an excuse to say, oh, why should I spend $50 million on a new Star Wars series if I'm not going to see the same returns? But what I don't think he, f he fails to understand is because in that same interview, he talked about wanting to drive people to Disney+. Plus. Right. And I was well, like, well, he has to now. How do you drive people to Disney Plus without content? Like the only well, reason that I I pay Disney Plus money is because of Star Wars and Marvel. Right. So you take that away, what incentive do I have to hit, to pay you that 100 and whatever bucks a year? Like I know he thinks that this is a good idea, but if if they're going to sell Disney content to other platforms like Netflix, why would I just not keep Netflix? Right. Like there's not enough. I'm sure there's enough family content on there, but like for people like us. That, but is there really? Well, probably it, not. Is there really the quality of what is on there? justifying the price if there's no new content no and i don't mean a 4k reissue of cinderella no not and i'm sure i'm sure like he's thinking like well we'll just once the one and they're already doing it once the um marvel films have been out for a while they'll end up on disney plus and people will go and see it there and it's like most people aren't if if they're that big of a Marvel fan, they're going to buy it before then, which is, I guess, good for him. 
Right. But like I don't collect Marvel films anymore. And right. while there there's a fifty fifty shot of whether I'm gonna go see it in the theater. Um Yeah. And at this point, if it's not gonna come to Disney Plus in any like good length of time, like short length of time, I'm just gonna pirate it. And see it that way. Like I probably Allegedly. Allegedly. I'd allegedly do that. Yes. But still, like, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense where he's coming from. At least to me. Well, no, because he's answering to shareholders. He's got all of these other millionaire, billionaire cronies working for him. There's no way he's in touch with what the average person working two jobs you know, just to, to stay afloat is going through. No. And honestly, for, you know, like you said, for like 120 bucks a year to get three or four new Marvel movies, that's not worth it to me. No, not at all. That's not worth it to me because I'm not going to watch the Nat Geo stuff. I'm not going to watch the old black and white cartoons. I've seen nope. them many times. Yep. So why are you not understanding that you're going to destroy the business? I understand that streaming has somewhat diluted Hollywood box office, but you all made that choice. Well, nobody said, Hey, I want to see this at home. Oh, well there's a DVD or a Blu-ray or VHS or a laser disc. <laughs> so it, it, it's never been a matter of not being able to see these things in your home. Because there's always been availability of that media. Right. And I think which I, I think what Disney was doing right was allowing their IP, namely Marvel and Lucasfilm, to make content that didn't fit into a movie. Mm-hmm. And they were able to tell stories and set things up in a way that they didn't need to like they didn't they didn't they were setting it up in a way to where like they didn't have to waste a film on it and we're going to go back to the other way and it's just going to piss people off even more because I don't think it's a problem with diluting stories with Marvel because the things that he points out like Ant-Man didn't have anything on Disney Plus to dilute it Right. It was just yeah, a shitty it's... film. Right. If you want to pull back on the amount you're making to up the quality instead of making all the visual effects artists cram this shit into two hours and not have enough time to finish, then that's one thing. If you're saying, you know, half the number of films that you're doing and only do like one or two TV shows that tie in and it gives them more time and quality, that's one thing. But this is a knee jerk reaction to people not going to the movies. Sure. And and, and the opening of Mission Impossible 7 proves that it's not a Disney problem. Proves that it's not a Disney problem. No. No, it only opened to 80 million domestic. Yep. 
Dial of Destiny opened to what, 130? Uh, I think it was 130 oh. worldwide. Oh, worldwide. Okay, so they're saying that it's you know over 200 million worldwide, which I don't buy. Yeah, I don't know. It's. I thought it was very interesting that after all this bullshit came out, that it's like, well, nobody's nobody's going to the movies. And we kind of talked about that with the Indiana Jones thing. It's it's not about I don't think it's about the movies. I think it's about the price to go see it in a theater. And yeah, that's part of like their box office shit and the money that it makes. But like nobody. The like you said, the executives are not in touch with the working class who are driving this. Even like Spider-Man, the Spider-Man animated one didn't, I don't think it closed in on a billion dollars. And that seems to be the the mark now. If it doesn't make a billion dollars, it's shit. Right. You know, so don't, don't make a TV show that you have to spend $200 million on. Like you can still get, because I guarantee you they did not spend $200 million on Picard. Oh God, no. In a, in a final season, uh, there was no way that that was the budget for those 10 episodes. No. Uh, well, bes- before I say this, let me look. Let me see if I can find. <laughs> uh, so... Robert Burnett reported that the budget for Picard season three was a million dollars an episode for nine episodes, for eight 10 episodes? episodes, 10 episodes. So, okay. So Terry Metalis gave 10 episodes, star Trek motion picture for only $10 million. And that included the total rebuild of the enterprise D bridge set. So. I mean, John Luke, Patrick Stewart wasn't making a million dollars an episode like the people from Big Bang Theory well okay so depending on who you talk to so okay according to Slash Film it was between 8 and 9 million an episode so about 90 million bucks let's let's just say it's 90 million dollars for 10 episodes Okay, that's less than the cost of a feature film, and you got, you know, five hours out of that, right? Or six or ten hours, you yeah. know, depending on how long your program's running. Right. So maybe it's not a matter of making less. Maybe it's maybe it's a matter of having the filmmakers use the money wisely. Sure. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of vanity that goes into making a movie and, you know, trying to get, you know, a a better chase sequence than the last blockbuster. And, you know, they throw a lot of money at that. But if it's not going to work on the return. Right. You know, maybe maybe it's time for for John Hughes to come back and start making those from the dead. Yes. (laughs) See, because then you have like that, 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 uh, that, um, oh, what do you call it? 
us back to the AI. A mor- the morbid, the morbid curiosity oh. <laughs> of people who would want to see it, and then if he makes movies that are you know just as good as Sixteen Candles, right? <clears throat> then I don't know. I mean, do you think we're going to see smaller movies on the screen, or do you think it's just going to implode? Well, so so what I was just thinking, and staying like. I'm kind of staying in the mindset of the TV stuff right now because that affects the stuff that I watch more than anything. And the star, like uh, the star Wars TV shows, um, I think is what drives me more than the Marvel shows. Um, but when you look at let's, let's just take Picard season three, for example, there were a very limited number of sets that not only did they build a couple, there was a, the bridge of, uh, the Titan was a redress of something they had built previously. Um, the enterprise D bridge was new, but a lot of the other ones were redress stuff from discovery. And so, that for nine million dollars an episode, they got good visual effects and probably paid the actors a decent wage to come back for let's just say ninety million dollars. If Marvel and I don't know how you would do that for well, I mean with the with the LED walls Lucasfilm has made it easier to shoot in more locations. But like with the Marvel stuff, like how much of Secret Invasion is shot in Europe? Like probably well, all of it. Not a lot of it. So if they're if they would be able to use some technology to make it cheaper, like why wouldn't that be the route first instead of just being like, well, we're killing all these projects? I don't know but I mean I think to answer your question I think I think the budgets start to drop um, and they're going to fuck over the visual effects community again well I mean they already have so well yeah but they're going to pixel fuck them into oblivion like mm. like they'll start shutting down ILM productions in favor of overseas visual effects houses that while they do it a little bit now there are several big named visual effects houses that would go under if they pixel fuck them anymore right Um, but I think you start seeing smaller budgets and less spectacle which might be a good thing and I think that the spectacle stuff is saved for the giant movies. I think, you know, each Marvel film is now a hundred million dollars, except for the Avengers film. Right. You know, and that's two hundred well, dollars. I mean, Mission Impossible Seven was five hundred million dollars. Was it really to make it? That's what they're saying. Holy shit! That's ludicrous, right? Yes. I know that that and they had a bunch. Was that 
It's a two-parter though. Was that 500 million for both? Or just Well, maybe it's maybe it's one. for the whole thing. <clears throat> so it, it's it's around 250 million for the movie. Okay. Well, that's okay. Like but still, 250 million dollars for that is a lot. Sure. And again, it's it's disproportionate to like what they're paying the people that are actually making it. Because when mm-hmm. you look at that $250 million, where does that money break down to? Right. Like there's 20 million of it just for, just for Tom Cruise. And mm-hmm. then the rest of the cast takes a big chunk. And then the director's taking a big chunk and whatever's left over is that poor camera guy that's trying to feed his family. Um, you know, and we, like, like I, the visual effects industry doesn't even have a union. So they're, they're getting fucked over no, no matter what. And then, so then like those other unions are going to try to play ball with this. And I think if the actors get more money then like, the crew needs to get more money and then you'll see they they're they're gonna go to fucking strike and like what i what needs to happen is some genius hacker somewhere in you know serbia hacks into all the accounts of the one percent and wipes them out overnight (laughs) i mean cuts their lines of credit everything Yep. That overnight you have fucking nothing. Survive. Oh yeah. You know, Bob Iger. Here's four hundred dollars a week take home. Have fun. Do it for a week. Just do it for a goddamn week. And prove to us that that's enough money. Right. But it's not gonna happen. You know? <clears throat> It's not going to happen. There's a great picture on uh, Facebook of Manny Patinkin walking the uh, the Writers Guild strike, yeah. and his sign says, "You killed residuals. Prepare to pay." <laughs> That's awesome. Now, hopefully, he was not doing it for a photo op. Oh, but still that you know I mean I don't I don't think so is out there I feel like there's a lot of actors that are out on the picket line Mm -hmm. and even even with the writer strike I think I saw multiple like not trying to get photo ops actors that were out there because a lot of them are writers too and a lot of them are you know, they understand that the lifeblood of what they do is written on a page by the writer. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of this is hitting people in multiple ways. Like you're most actors aren't just actors, you know, most actors will, especially if they're coming up now have written their own stuff, have, you know, like um, Taika Waititi like he is a writer and a director and an actor and like this affects him more not more than anybody else but like it it affects him on multiple levels 
And so right. this is affecting a lot of these guys on multiple levels. And what it's going to kill is the little guys. It's it's going to kill the, the the people that, you know, the gaffers and the craft service people and all those people that are now not working and don't have a union. Like, but it doesn't matter because there are people who are willing to do those jobs. It It's not like you're going to cripple the industry by, you know, not being the clapper. No, it's the 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 idea is that it's a job anybody could do. Any monkey could do that job. Any Mario can do that job. Sure. <laughs> um, it's very, it's very sad. Yeah. But like, while all this is going on too, it affects a lot more than just these people. Mm hmm. I don't I don't know with how stubborn people seem to be these days how this gets resolved quickly. Right? Because I think I think that asshole guy was right. I think a lot of people are going to lose their apartments and their houses. Sure. And they're they're going to walk away from this without it being resolved and then they're going to be like you know, we can't take much more of this. Right? You know, I'm I'm interested to find out whether or not because I know Disney for the writer strike was basically they told their writers to keep working. Right. Um, I'm wondering whether or not that there's some kind of mandate from Disney that's like, we're not shutting down. If you don't show up, we'll just recast you or something. I could see him trying it. There's only so much they can do to retaliate that is not going to backfire on them. No. I mean, I think at this point that people have stopped being nice. You know, I mean, they're, they're publishing the salaries of these different CEOs of media companies. They're, they're putting it out there that, you know, an average day actor somebody who's you know busboy or you know waiter or you know some kind of background actor isn't making a ton of money to begin with and the fact that now you want to basically co-opt their their personage yep for your future wealth that's criminal yep that's criminal i mean i i, I I think the French Revolution had it right. <laughs> I mean, it's the, it's, it, it's definitely a, a mess of their own making. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm glad that, and I'm sure I'm sure Crispin Glover is like jumping up and down because he actually won a lawsuit about the production team on back to the future Two using his likeness yep. when he wasn't in the film. And mm -hmm. so this is just the AI extension of that. And right. the fact that it got that far to where that was a game plan, like is like you said, it's fucking criminal. Like, mm -hmm. and it's not like them bringing back dead actors. 
like they have in the past. Which they've done in the past, right? But there's those families were compensated for it. And I'm sure that the the studios would be like, oh, we're trying to compensate these people. And it's like two hundred dollars for for in perpetuity of getting to use their likeness. Right. Because what happens if like, hey, we're making a movie about porn or something and all of a sudden your likeness winds up like having sex with somebody like. I there's so many ways that can be used wrongly that I just I can't imagine them being like oh yeah this was a good idea I mean other than it saves them fucking money right it's gonna be interesting to see how this ends up yeah Yep. Hopefully it gets resolved in in a timely manner to not really fuck with like release schedules and you know, movies that are actually shot or being shot or right. you know, they end up being canceled because, you know, whatever. Like I would hate to see that. Like cuz there's some good shit in production right now that I'm looking forward to that gets shut down that they better fucking finish those films and not try to make it a fucking tax write-off. Well, it's not out of the question. No. And that fucking is that, that's shitty. But maybe, but it's, I mean, it, it's also all those other businesses that rely on money that, the actors and writers and support personnel are spending in their own communities. Oh yeah. All those, all I those mean, it's got far, I mean, Bob Iger is not going to lose a minute's sleep because he's not going to make less than his 200 million a year. No, he's got a contract, Yep. but for the mom and pop business that has, you know, a sub shop near a movie studio, they're the ones who are going to hurt. It's like all these big company boycotts thinking it's like, oh, you know, we're going to boycott Bud Light. We're going to boycott, you know, this restaurant, that restaurant. It's like you don't understand it. It's the people at the bottom like you who are going to suffer the most. Right. But let's face it. If we can't get on the same page about whether or not we need to be living in a fascist country, (laughs) is this even something that's worth fighting for at this point <sighs> move to Italy with George Clooney <laughs> make sure you've got all your offshore accounts I guess it's definitely it's it's definitely like the like you said and it's 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 those mom and pop shops but it's also like all of the support companies that rent equipment to Hollywood. It's all the people that like, um, you know, are, are on the support side of it, of all of the, like, you know, all those companies that make the props for movies and all like Mm -hmm. the specialized shit. 
they're all now put in a position of like, they're not making movies or TV. So what do we do? And so they start laying people off. And then those people are now a bigger burden on like the wealth, not the welfare system, but the unemployment system and like all this other shit that goes on. And it's, it's not, I keep seeing this shit about like, Oh, it's millionaires want more money. And it's like, it's not that this is, they are the front face of it because those are the people, you know, right. And that's why they're doing this. And that's why they're doing it, but it's not necessarily for them. It's for everybody else. Right. And if you were in Hollywood and you were a day player on something, you would want to be paid a rate that is acceptable. Not right. 200 bucks and they can use your likeness for anything. If you're a struggling yearly, actor uh, and finally get your big break, you should be able to get residuals for that big break. Yes, you should. It's just not too much to ask. It's not, but we've been trained to accept this. That if you work hard, you're going to go far. So, you know, you need to put up with a lot of shit. Don't question things. <laughs> don't tell people how much money you make. Don't, you know, don't say bad things about the company because it'll look, you know, it'll look bad on you. It's <laughs> like, why? This is freedom of speech. If I want to say, you know, that my employer is a racist piece of shit because I, I know for a fact that they are, and this is all hypothetical, <laughs> then I should be able to do that. And by the same token... And not get punished for it. Not be punished for it. That's right. I saw something this morning that talked about um, homework in school. That huh? it's said... it The idea that, like... Um, it sets you up for this idea that you should be working in your off time. Yeah. That like, like if you're not, if you're not constantly doing something for whatever the entity is, whether it be school or work or whatever, if you're not sitting there doing something, then, then you're wrong. And I, I was like, that's, that's an interesting take on, on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, all of this shit that's happening now, like, like you said, you should be able to say whatever you want and not get punished for it. Right. Um, there's no reason that you shouldn't know who the person sitting next to you doing the same job is being paid. Oh yeah. That bullshit. You oh, know, we don't it's discuss like, but, that but you know, oh, yeah, we you don't, do. you're not allowed to, do. it's like, legally you can't stop it right right <clears throat> I mean it's a bigger problem than just Hollywood I mean right now the arts are hemorrhaging yeah and when the arts are gone people are complain what are you gonna have yeah you're gonna have video games because they'll tap into AI yep and is that the future All everything you know, animated. Suddenly, suddenly there's there's no storytelling, <laughs> right? There's some stories in video games. 
Well, yeah, but I mean. But you won't have anybody to write those stories. Yeah. Right. Well, you have AI. <laughs> yeah, well. That'll be great. I mean, we're going to end up like like the movie Idiocracy. Have you ever seen Idiocracy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That's how we're going to end up. That's people are just going to be that fucking stupid. But aren't they already? We're close. We are absolutely close. I mean, close. when you see people who have a platform talking about how COVID was invented to spare the Jews and Chinese, <laughs> Why is that person not being locked up for being insane? Well, because he's a he's a, a candidate for president, and apparently you can't say anything against people that are running for president, or at least that's what they want you to think. That's what they want you to think. My favorite story from Idiocracy was the fact that Mike Judge had a meeting with the costuming department. And they were talking about footwear because it takes place 400 years in the future. And he he said, I want the stupidest looking shoe that you can find. Like something that nobody would ever wear. I want you to find somebody to make those and we'll just buy them out. And that turned out being Crocs. Mm -hmm. And Crocs are huge now. Right. So we're jumping the gun by a couple hundred years, but we're kind of already there. Right. I mean, it's only a matter of time when we can't figure out why the crops aren't growing because we're putting fucking Gatorade on them. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. What a weird fucked up world. Mm Mm-hmm. So what did you watch this week? Um, I watched uh, Secret Invasion, uh-huh. which I'm finally happy there was a little action in it. Yeah. You know, the end was kind of cool, except I don't I don't think that we're done seeing Talos. No, I mean, if if Gaia comes back, uh, yeah, Talos has to come back, right? I would assume that like. So, Tal or, or Gaia, I guess, had injected herself with Extremis from yes. what it looked like. Um, yes. The main guy's got Groot and Extremis in him. Mm-hmm. Um, but Gaia at least has Extremis. Um, right. And I'm wondering whether but- or not there was some prior messing with Extremis that. Talos has been like subjected to possible I did really like the half human half scroll version of Talos yes that was very well done every time it would cut back and forth and every time it would just be a little bit more scroll Mm -hmm. and I really liked that I thought that they did really well with that right um, I still don't think the show is very entertaining. I still feel no. like, you know, there's a whole bunch of like, it's, it's very fucking slow still. Right. And there's only two more episodes. 
Well, I mean, this this is a case of them not wanting to spend a movie or a series of movies over setting up, you know, a future Marvel franchise. But, and that's that's there, fine. It's, it's very it's very purposefully slow moving to give you all this backstory you're going to need for something with a much larger budget that's coming down the road. But I don't think there's enough backstory. Like, do I really care about Fury's marriage? No. Well, why wouldn't you? Are you not human? Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm a scroll. I mean, it's showing his softer side. That's not really what I want in Nick Fury, though. <laughs> no. No. Um, you know, it's I do find it interesting that Rhodey is a female scroll. Yep. Um, Kevin Feige came out this week and said that he's been a scroll for a while. Um, and that you've seen him in other projects where he's a scroll. Mm. And so I was trying to think back of what didn't seem very roadie to me. Okay. And I think he was a little bit different in Endgame. There is, um, there's a bunch of, of like one liners that Rhodey gives like Thor having Funyuns pulsing through his veins. Mm-hmm. That isn't very much like the character. Okay. So I'm wondering if it goes all the way back to Endgame. Um, Because Rhodey doesn't really, I mean, his mission in Endgame is to take out star Lord to get the orb. Right. Which isn't very like, isn't a huge part of like the plan. Like it's done very quickly. So I feel like they could be like, oh yeah, he was a scroll back then. And the scroll was just trying to get whoever had disappeared with the scrolls back. Like it, it worked within their favor or whatever. But who knows what their writing's going to be. But I, I think Faggy said that we were going to find out before the end of the season how long. It's got two episodes to do it. Scroll. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about the show? Pretty, I, I still like it. Okay. I don't think it's moving fast enough. I don't think there's enough to keep less than a diehard fan invested in it. Okay. Because there have been more slow episodes than action okay yeah I mean it's got two episodes left how much are they going to do in two episodes these better be two damn good episodes (laughs) because if you can't tell the story you just wasted six hours of our lives eight hours of our lives right and and because there's a movie coming that's kind of based on this Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that it's going to wrap up with a neat bow. No, I'm sure it's very open-ended. Yeah. 
but I hope we also find out why this season was what it was if that makes sense yeah no I got you like like there's got to be a reason behind why this is not a big blockbuster show this isn't a goofy comedy like She-Hulk this isn't like uh, Falcon and Winter Snow Soldier well it's supposed to be like espionage based but yeah but I, I don't know I hope it wraps up well it's not. <laughs> um, I also watched. Um, I guess that was the only TV show that I really watched this week. You didn't uh, watch Star Trek? Oh, I did watch Star Trek. I did. I didn't write it down. Um, and that's funny because this could very well be one of my favorite Star Trek episodes ever. I was going to say this was a great episode. <laughs> Um, Ethan Peck actually I should say the entire cast has been given an opportunity to show their comedic side mm-hmm. and Star Trek and I don't know if it's just because I'm a fan of the Orville or not but like yeah. Star Trek works as a comedy sure it does um, there were so many things in this episode that I laughed out loud for that I don't like that's not normally like even if I've watched something that I think is funny I'll chuckle but I don't laugh out loud okay there were so many times that I laughed out loud at this um, especially because of Pike and, and Spock um, right there there were so many times that Pike was playing the straight man, but was funny. Um, and so in the episode, in case you haven't seen it, um, mm-hmm. Spock becomes human. He, he gets into an accident. The aliens that find him say that he had two different sets of uh, programming. So they got rid of one and they happen to get rid right. of the Vulcan side. The Vulcan side. And it turns out that, um, his fiance and her parents are coming to do the engagement ceremony. And mm-hmm. so now he's completely human. And there are, there are moments like in the transporter room when Spock's mother shows up and Spock shows up in a beanie. Yes. Not only was that funny, but there's a background thing that happens where Pike goes to leave and the door shut in front of him. And he's got to act like he's nonchalantly not there. That was so fucking funny. I was like, this is amazing. And there were times like in Pike's quarters where they're going on where Pike starts walking out with a food, like a dish full of food and something gets Mm -hmm. said and he turns Mm -hmm. around and he walks away. And it's just so the the comedic timing in this episode was amazing. Mm Hmm. This very well could be the one where I'm like, this is my favorite episode of Star Trek. Yep. There's been other good episodes, but this, for me, this is kind of, I don't know how they top this one. And they've had other good episodes this season. 
I think the the time travel one was really good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they've had they've had other ones that have been like, this is great Star Trek, but this right. this episode was head and shoulders above them all. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, when Ethan Peck showed up as Spock on Discovery. It was like brooding Spock. It was like Spock not knowing how to handle his human side. And the writers have taken that and turned it into fascinating television. And I'm I'm super jazzed to see what he does. Like Leonard Nimoy is always going to be like prime Spock. Like nobody's ever going to do it better than him. Right. But Ethan Peck comes damn close. At mm-hmm. least for me. And I'm not taking anything away from um oh, who played him in the movies? Uh Zach. <laughs> Zach? The Zach? guy from American Horror Story. Yeah. Um Zachary Quinto. That's it. I'm not taking anything away from him because his Spock was more of a trying to be Leonard Nimoy. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the things that was probably handed down from somebody at Paramount to Anson Mount and Ethan Peck was like, yes, there's been other versions of your characters, but you're not them. Like, right. Make this your own. Like the, like the dude that played um, Kirk in the time travel mm-hmm. one wasn't yeah. doing a Shatner impersonation. He was, he was inhabiting the character. Right. And I think that's what Anson Mount and um, Ethan Peck have done. They're not trying to be those characters. They're just, they are those characters. And not taking anything away from from anybody else that's been Pike or Spock. But these guys have channeled into it in a way that, like, it just makes for great television. Mm-hmm. And you know, if, if you're a Star Trek fan and you're not watching strange new worlds, you really need to look into it because it's like the original series. They, right. They, when they set out to do this show, somebody said, what happens if we just do Star Trek again? What if every Mm -hmm. episode is different? We make, you know, there's, there can be an overarching story, but it's not the drive of the show like discovery like every episode doesn't need to channel into the overarching story. And they said, right. well, let's try it. And like season one, every single episode is like a different genre. Like you have like a detective one and you have like a, a fantasy one and there's like the sci-fi one and there's the horror one. And they did that for all of the episodes and it made it really great to watch. Cause you had no clue what the next one was going to be. And I think they've kind of done it this, this year with the idea of doing an overarching story, but they're knocking it out of the park. And I can't wait to see what they do with the rest of this. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're doing justice to what's come before them. They're doing justice to getting new people interested in this for, finally yep well i mean not finally i mean star trek's been around since the 60s and i think there's always been some aspect of star trek 
in every decade since. Well, and and I will like, I'm I'm not an, an apologist for Star Trek because there are good Star Trek and there's bad Star Trek. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think Discovery is a great version of Star Trek. I didn't think Enterprise was a great version of Star Trek. Um, okay. but as a sci-fi fan, I would rather have bad Star Trek than no Star Trek mm-hmm. as, as a way of like just feeding that love of sci-fi. But I'm very, I'm very happy that over the past couple of years, we've gotten Picard and like, say what you want about the first two seasons. The third season made up for whatever shortcomings the first two made. Okay. Discovery, while not great, has had moments. There's been individual episodes where it's been like, that's amazing. But they've also gone on these story arcs of like, there was an entire episode last year or last season where they were trying to figure out how to talk to like space whales. Mm -hmm. And it was like, did we really need to spend an hour on this? Because most Um, other Star Trek would have handled that in like the captain's log Mm -hmm. of like, we have, we we're trying to figure out how to do this. And we think that we've, we finally figured this out. Bam. Then they're into it. Like there's ways of doing it. And I think while they're, they're always trying to be different forms of Star Trek. I think what strange new worlds has proven is that like the original is just as good as anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, deep space nine being one of my favorite Star Trek shows because of the last couple of seasons where it was a story arc where they told a story where you had to watch every single episode because we had never seen that in Star Trek before. Right. And then they started doing that for all of them. And you couldn't really get away from that with Voyager because they were trapped in another part of the, the galaxy and they always had to be trying to get home. But they also didn't do the overall arc that every, every episode you had to watch every episode for it to make sense. Right. They always worked towards that angle. Um, but maintain Star Trek enterprise, I think was just a victim of too much Star Trek for the time and going backwards. And they suffered from Canon and they suffered from other things that they were running up against and not knowing how to write out of it. And discovery had that problem until they launched into like the 32nd century at the end of season two. But strange new worlds has kind of leaned into all the canon and was like, we're just going to play with it. And as long as we get to where the original series is, what does it matter? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, it doesn't matter that the ship looks different. It doesn't matter that like the controls are all sleek and new and not the buttons of the sixties. I think star Trek fans today are just like, that's the enterprise. That's it. Doesn't matter that fucking Pike has a, gigantic quarters where like he's got a full kitchen. Like we never saw that in the six, the sixties star Trek, but it doesn't matter. Right. Like as long as the stories are driving forward, 
it, who cares? So yeah, I I am really digging this version of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fresh, but it's familiar. Yep. You're invested in these characters, even though you know these characters later in their life. Yep. So I yeah, and I you mean, can see things it's a home run. Like you can see things like like if you watch the episode, um, and I'm drawing a blank on the actual title the the original series episode where Kirk goes back or, or Kirk and Spock go back to Vulcan and T'Pring is there and they have to fight um you know that Spock and T'Pring don't end up together but you right. also know that Spock and Chapel don't end up together and so there's room in there for them to play with those character relationships and not break canon. And anybody like anybody who has watched the original series on repeat can look at this stuff and be like, yeah, as long as they don't make it so like Spock and Chapel are a thing that supposedly goes into the original series, then it doesn't matter. Right. Like there's enough time. Like if this show goes five years, I think it's, I think this is supposed to be five years before the beginning of the original series. So if it goes for five seasons and they bump up against that, all they've got to do is be like, if they want to tell more beyond that, maybe it's, it's a parallel thing with the originals. Maybe they're, they're doing episodes where it's actually Kirk on the bridge and the original cast or the original characters are there. But like you're also following Pike and you're also following the new characters that aren't on the original Enterprise in a way to where like you're filling in between episodes. Right. Well, it's, it, it could also be kind of like that Phineas and Ferb Star Wars episode where they were like just out of frame. Yeah. Was it Phineas and Ferb? Yeah. Yeah. Where they're just, you know, this is what's happening elsewhere on the ship yep. when you know while something else was going on yeah and they even they've even toyed with that in the last I think it was the last episode of season one of Strange New Worlds where future mm-hmm. Pike comes back and sends him into the future and he's commanding the Enterprise during an original series episode mm-hmm. they could do a bunch of shit like that too you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, at the end of this five years, they end up exactly where they are in canon. But I think the writers are smart enough to respect the canon, too. But it's it's great sci-fi. I mean, there's not a whole bunch that can go up against Strange New Worlds for me right now. And I've tried a bunch of the new stuff. Like I tried watching that show on Apple Plus, the um, Foundation. Yeah. It just really dragged, and like, I didn't really get into the story, so I only watched like three of them. And right. Th- and then I was like, eh, okay, this isn't really for me. But, you know, Star Trek original series Star Trek and and Star Trek where it doesn't rely on the episode before it 
is just a fun hour of TV. Mm-hmm. And this one was, and that's what it should way be. more fun. Yep. What did you watch this week? Uh, I watched those two things. Uh-huh. And have you caught up on Righteous Gemstones? Yes. You, so you watched episode five, the flashback? Yes. Okay. <laughs> that was genius. It's ballsy to do a, a an entirely flashback episode in the middle of your season. Mm-hmm. With, like, kid actors. Yeah. I think, Playing these roles that, you know, it's like, oh, so that's why he became that way. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think the kid actor that is um, Jesse. Mm-hmm has got um what's his name oh my god the main guy father no the main actor Danny McBride Danny McBride Jesus Christ the the I don't know how much time the kid actor spent with Danny McBride but right it but is, he is like, definitely channeling him yes he is channeling Danny McBride in a way that I haven't seen from a lot of actors Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm sitting there watching it and being like, "That's fucking Danny McBride as a kid." I don't know how they did that, right? Like, th- are they de-aging. super de aging him or what? But <laughs> like, it's it's fucking phenomenal. He's making out with a, with the little girl, so I'm hoping that like it's not him. But, um, yeah, it's it's really well done to tell the backstory of like what's going on. Mm-hmm. Within, um, within the confines of this season, right? Well, and they're they're pulling from actual events that have happened involving different evangelical preachers. Yep, the whole Y two K scam. Yep, it's like that's that's real. That's not fucking made up. <laughs> And in fact, Jim Baker is still trying to sell that shit. Is he really? Yes. You can buy a 10-gallon tub of freeze-dried pizza. Ew. Um, I did like seeing that um, Peter, the the uh, husband of the sister, yeah. uh, was in a snake-handling church. Mm-hmm. And again, it just shows how religion is a cult. Oh, yeah. Regardless of what you think, you are being taught to act in a certain way based on what somebody else has made up and pulled out of their ass. Yep. And every every different denomination has a different set of tenets. Mm-hmm. And like even even in gemstones, they kind of point out that like like that family doesn't like the gemstones because the gemstones are like the super preachers. Right. And like, you know, they're rich and they've got money and, but they're doing it all for in the name of God or whatever. And then they're doing the Y2K stuff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but like, they also have a monster truck and yeah, I mean, it's, I would like to know if Danny McBride is an atheist or not. Or like, because well. it sure seems like being the head writer of this, 
you would think that like he's bashing it as he goes, but if he's not, it's a weird like testament to be like, you know, right. Putting all this shit out there and being like, these are horrible fucking people. And like, you know, maybe, maybe he's like agnostic or something. I don't know. Uh, so he is not religious. Okay. He was born into a Catholic family and then they went Methodist and then they went Lutheran and then they went Baptist. I mean, he grew up in your town. Did I thought, wait, was he from, I know he lives in Charleston now. Yeah. He, he grew up in Charleston. Did he? Okay. Uh, he was born in Georgia. Yep. Because the story that I always heard was he went he went to HBO with the idea for Vice Principals, and he went to. Bill Murray and said, cause he had worked with Bill Murray before and said, would you be in this show? And Bill Murray said, only if you shoot it in Charleston. And so mm. he, he came here for that and then moved his entire family. Cause he liked it so much. Okay. Cause this article on irishcentral.com <laughs> says that he grew up in Charleston. Oh, okay. Where when his mother divorced his father, she was shunned at their church. Nice. Also didn't know that there no building in Charleston can be taller than a church steeple. That's why they call it the Holy city. Uh-huh. Yep. Cult. They, but That's all I'm saying, but that has changed a little bit. Yeah. Um, because the, the medical complex, the, the medical university of South Carolina, is taller than um, the church steeples. Uh-huh. I think what it is now is you can't build anything on the peninsula. Like downtown oh, Charleston okay. can no longer have or have um, new construction, new construction higher than a church steeple. Huh. But everything outside of that is fair game. Yeah, it's a fucked up town, man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been quite a week. Yeah. So before we go, I got to ask you, did you watch the Wonka trailer? I did. I'm interested to hear what you thought about that. I'm intrigued. I'm not really buying Chalamet yet. Okay. But he he does resemble Gene Wilder. I'm very happy that it's the young Gene Wilder character mm-hmm. and not the Johnny Depp version. Nothing against Johnny oh, definitely. Depp. Definitely. Oh, oh, definitely. Wonka his, will always be Gene for me. Yes. I And I really got a chuckle out of um, Hugh Grant as the Oompa Loompa. Yeah. I'm sorry. I can't stop. End. Once we start going, we can't stop. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I like 
the direction that is shown in the trailer there there's the shots of them like singing and dancing out in front of the store that he wants hmm. and then there's like a tap on the shoulder and everything behind him stops and they all proceed like normal like there's right i love when they do shit like that in movies like mm-hmm. it's it's an in camera shot to where it's not an edit you know it's just all happening behind them and at some point you're just going to stop and walk off in a different direction mm-hmm. like that shit i love so if they're going to do that a lot like Charlemagne for me he's a decent actor so i'm hoping that he can pull pull this off right um you know i liked him in dune although i thought dune was really slow uh, mm-hmm. there's oh was it called the king or the crown or something he was in a movie a medieval movie where he plays like a prince he was really good in that so like i think okay. he's got like the chops to kind of handle a movie like this where there's going to be singing and dancing and stuff right um it's just going to be the overall story that i think will either make or break this because it's not a retelling of anything and I don't think it's a prequel it, but it's not was there a book about young Wonka or is this I don't I don't think so okay no as far as I know there was just the one book Charlie and the Chocolate Factory okay I'm hoping like they'll be able to like tell a good story but it looks promising mm-hmm. yeah definitely and it's got Rowan Atkinson. Come on. <laughs> what about um what's what's the other guy's name? Uh Keegan Michael Keel? No. What's his name? Yes. Is that Yeah, it? that's him. Okay. Yeah. Keegan Michael Key. Key. Okay. Keegan yes. Michael Key. Keel Key Key and Yeah. All right. I mean he seems to be in everything these days. So mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I'll Good take for that him. For what it's worth, you know. Since Jordan Peele kind of dropped him, well, Jordan Peele became a big Hollywood director. Exactly. But I mean, they were in um, they were in Toy Story four together. Were they? Yeah. Are they the bird and the? Yeah, the two stuffed animals, the duck and the yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, I have no interest in that movie. <laughs> no. No. They're making a part five. Oh Jesus. Because why Pixar has nothing better. Because it makes money. Yeah. We have Elemental. Those characters are going to be easy to put into a theme park. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess if they could do it with the emotions from Inside Out, they can do it without elements. Yeah, but those really look like humans. True. You know, the water the water guy is see-through and he kind of sloshes and changes shape and yeah, don't know. Yeah, true. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what'll happen to Disney? Oh, so apparently they have already appeared in parks, or at <laughs> least in costume version. <laughs> Oh, and yeah? they look horrible. Wait, let me look it up. 
Uh, where'd you find that? Uh, oh. oh. Got him? Yeah. Oh. Damn. <laughs> Do you remember when all this stuff was like, you know, planned out way in advance? Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of frightening. Wow. All right. Well, that's disturbing. Right. I'm not getting that. I'm not getting that out of my head anytime soon. <laughs> oh, you got anything else for this week? Nope. No. All right. All right. Well, if you want to get in touch with us, you can always send us an email at info at dancemonkeypodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Let us know you're listening. So until next week, this is Chris. It's John. Have a good week. Sometimes I don't cry in the shower. <laughs>